As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, Why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the man's eyes. He told him, Go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, No, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, Yes, I am the same one. They asked, Who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. Where is he now? They asked. I don't know. He replied. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees, because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. The Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, He put the mud over my eyes, and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man Jesus is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, But how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. Then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, What's your opinion about this man who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. The Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see. So they called in his parents. They asked them, Is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? His parents replied, We know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He is old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said, He is old enough. Ask him. So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this, because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind, and now I can see. But what did he do? They asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed. I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they cursed him and said, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Why, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. 
If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. You are born a total sinner, they answered. Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. When Jesus heard what happened, he found the man and asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, Are you saying we're blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. Good morning, church. Would you join me in prayer? Jesus, thank you for finding us, for seeing the things that we walk through, for the ways that we've been treated, for our own uh, points of, of brokenness, and for constantly pursuing us. Thank you for your initiative and your faithfulness. We pray that you would continue that good work of bringing healing, health, wholeness into our entire being. And so we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at uh, John chapter 9 this morning, I want to frame it in the way of um, progressing illumination. Specifically, saying that you'll, you'll notice in this man's life, the man born blind, a growing realization and confession of who Jesus is. I want you to think of this uh, story in terms of a light dimmer. Maybe in the room uh, that you're in, you can look at the wall and you have a light dimmer. I hope uh, that every time that you look at that after this morning, you are reminded of the work that Jesus longs to continue to do in your life. Um, we moved in uh, to the house that we live in uh, around two years ago. And when, when we moved into this house, uh, went into the bedroom, turned on our light, and found that the room was very dim. Um, came to find out that this remote that was on the wall that if you hold down this light icon and not just press it, it actually acts as a dimmer. Um, I was completely ignorant of that. And so um, for the first few days, you'd turn on the light and just have a little bit of frustration as you saw that things were really dim and you couldn't really see around the room. Went so far as uh, to go to Home Depot and bought a really expensive but tiny light bulb to put in this light fixture. And you can imagine my disappointment after installing that new light bulb to turn the light back on and find that the room was still very dim. Um, and then you could probably understand my uh, simultaneous feeling of humili humiliation, but also joy as I stumbled across the fact that I could hold this, um, this little light bulb icon button down and to actually see the, the room grow brighter and brighter. We could finally see in the room. Um, look, I, I believe that the, the work that the Spirit of God longs to do over the course of our life is to constantly be, do this work of calling us out of darkness and into the marvelous light of Jesus. But again, this is a life 
long work. But Jesus is very into the work of illumination to constantly eradicate the darkness in our lives, to constantly overcome uh, the darkness of our lives, and for us to be uh, consistently and, and always in a place where we are surrendering to Jesus those areas of our life that are in darkness, that he might uh, shine his light into. Over the course of this man's story, like the Pilgrim's Progress, you will see this growing realization and understanding of the love and the faithfulness of Jesus. Um, you will see that specifically in his words. But let's start at the front end of the story. Right on the front end of the story, you will see the picture of a humanity trying to discern and figure out why the world is the way it is. The trouble is, is that they're trying to evaluate and understand the world from their own filters and assumptions. And so the disciples come to Jesus and they ask him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Essentially what they're saying is it certainly must be the case that he's blind because God's out to judge him. Really, I mean, by implication, what they're saying is that this man's worse off than us. And that must be because he's a sinner. And, and I think that we find our own trouble uh, and stories here in, in this cultural assumption that the disciples uh, and the people around Jesus would have. We, we look at the circumstances around us because they are the most visible and tangible thing. And by looking at the, the circumstances around us or even the circumstances that we're navigating in our own life, those become the core and the foundation. And then we start interpreting how God feels about us based off of the most visible and tangible things to us. And Jesus flips this right side up for us. You see his powerful response. And he says this, he says, this happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. Really, one way that a lot of people look at this sentence is that what Jesus is saying is, this happened. This took place. He's blind. The result of his life will be God glorified. And what does Jesus do in this moment? Someone that the world disqualifies, diminishes. Someone that, that Jesus should be blind to, Jesus sees. It is right at the front end of this entire story in verse 1. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man. That's gospel. That, 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 is, that is something I hope you underline in your Bible, then go to your bookshelf and grab another Bible and underline it there. And, and come to a place where you see, you see God's motive and his intention and, and his pursuit on display here. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind. Someone that the world is not seeing. Someone that 
the assumption is he's worse off than us. And it's similar to the statements that we find in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus starts with the Beatitudes and he tells us, blessed are, and he goes through this list of people that we would not have called blessed. But he tells us the poor in spirit, the peacemakers, the mourners, those that are longing to experience justice in the world, the persecuted, the rejected, right? You, go, you, just, you just go down the list. Those that we would say are not blessed, Jesus comes and says, blessed are these people. Why? The kingdom of God belongs to people such as this. And what is Jesus doing right here in front of his disciples? He's pointing to a man that was born blind, and from their cultural assumptions, God should not be seeing, Jesus sees. And what is he doing? He is speaking words of worth, of value, and of dignity and purpose over this man. The power of God could be seen in him. The power of God would be seen in him. The, the next <laughs> the next scene I find absolutely intriguing. Uh, we're told, then he spit on the ground, made mud with his saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. What I find really intriguing about the way that John tells um, the story for us is that he doesn't mention that Jesus asked his permission from this man. <laughs> it doesn't, the other scenarios, Jesus comes up to humanity and, 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 and when he interacts with them, right? It's like, do you want to be made well? Or humanity comes to him and cries out, would you heal my son? Or would you heal my servant? Or would you heal my friend? In this story, there's none of that. You just see Jesus makes a statement about the man, the glory of God, the power of God is going to be seen in him, and then he spits in the ground, makes mud, and then just wipes it in the man's eyes. What is John communicating in this? The initiative and the urgency of Jesus that Jesus is acting with, right? Because right before this, he says, we must quickly carry out the tasks assigned by the one who sent us. What Jesus is doing in this moment is, is that he is causing us to realize that, that he is sent. And he is sent with fervency and urgency to bring people out of darkness. And Jesus is the one that initiates our healing. Jesus is the one that finds us. Jesus is the one that sees us. It's not because we offer anything. It's not because there's anything spectacular about us, but it is the work, the, the initiation, the purpose, the calling upon Jesus to, to pursue humanity, to show us that he is after us. Even when we don't see it coming, Jesus is after us. He's pursuing us. And maybe you find yourself in this place right now where it just feels like God put spit and mud in your eyes, that that's what life circumstances feels like. You feel blindsided by the circumstances of life. And what I, maybe what I would hope you hear this morning is that Jesus is at work in your life, that he's after you, that he's pursuing you. But he's also asking that you would be obedient to his voice. 
I love the, the way that Jesus calls this man to participate with him in the healing work that Jesus is doing. What is Jesus doing in this man's life? He makes mud, he, he spits on the ground, makes mud, wipes it in the guy's eyes, and then he, tell, he calls him to a place called sent. He sends him. And I, I, I find such, such beauty and power in this picture. What does it look like to follow Jesus well? Sometimes it looks like us still having mud in our eyes and not fully healed yet, but still obedient to the voice of Jesus. Still, still following through on, on the work and the call that he has upon our lives. Just like Jesus is sent and his acting with urgency, but also how he is seeing someone that humanity is blind to, that we would begin to act like him, that our eyes might be open to people that we might be currently disregarding or even dehumanizing in our thoughts, in our words, and or our actions. We become sent ones as well. And, and we might still have mud on our eyes and the healing might not have had its full effect in our lives. But we will still be obedient to, to the call uh, and, and voice of Jesus spoken over us. The people that we're blind to, Jesus sees. And that the work of Jesus is to resto restore marred and broken creation so that humanity might come to the realization that we were made with purpose, with dignity and value. We were designed to image, to represent and to participate as image bearers of God. You see Jesus take the initiative. You see Jesus send this man. And, and I came across um, this Romanti Wright, um, he says this, he says, So often, when people look out on the world and its disasters, they wonder why God doesn't just march in and take over. Why, they ask, does he permit it? Why doesn't he send a thunderbolt and put things right? The answer is that God does send thunderbolts, human ones. He sends in the poor in spirit, the meek, the mourners, the peacemakers, the hungry for justice people. They are the way that God wants to act in his world. They are more effective than any lightning flashes or actual thunderbolts. They will use their initiative. They will see where the real needs are and go to meet them. They will weep at the tombs of their friends, at the tombs of their enemies. Some of them will get hurt. Some may be killed. That is the story of Acts all through. There will be problems, punishments, setbacks, shipwrecks, but God's purpose will come through. These people, prayerful, humble, faithful, will be the answer not to the question why, but to the question what. What needs to be done here? Who is most at risk? How can we help? 
that we would hear Jesus again saying to us, the one who has sent us, he's using us, imperfect, marred, broken creation, but still sent, still hearing his voice to us, telling us, I am sending you to a place called sent. That we would, we would see that statement over our lives and understand how the whole of our lives are designed to bring God's glory. The next place I want to bring you to is to notice the man's words throughout this narrative. You see the, again, like a dimmer, the growing brightness that happens in this man's life as he has better and better clarity of who Jesus is. It starts off when people are asking him what happened. He describes Jesus this way. He just says, the man that they call Jesus did this. Then he says, I think he must be a prophet. After that, he says, I know this. I was blind and now I can see. And then even later, he says, if this man was not from God, he could have done it. Saying that, describing Jesus as sent from the father. And at the end of the story, when Jesus describes himself as the son of man, and if the man believes in him, the, the man responds, yes, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped Jesus. This man's words show, show more and more how Jesus is coming into focus in his life. He's getting greater clarity. He's getting more understanding. The light of the world is illuminating this man's life and understanding. And there's this comparison that's on display here by John, highlighted in the conversation of the Pharisees and the crowds, or the, amongst the Pharisees um, in verse 16. It says that some of the Pharisees said, this man Jesus is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how can an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. I believe what John is highlighting here is he's showing us that there's, there's filters that are on the eyes of, of the Pharisees here. And, and, and the filter is this. I'm, either I'm seeing Jesus through the filter of things, or I'm seeing things through the filter of Jesus. The Pharisees are saying he can't, that he can't be from God because he healed on the Sabbath. And what they're doing is that from their understanding, the core of their understanding, the center of their understanding isn't Jesus, but it's their own ways and perspective. It's their own filters. And because they're unwilling to, to let go of their own understanding, they can't properly see Jesus. But others in the crowd, the way that they're approaching things is we see Jesus and he's redefining how we're viewing things. What's this man's statement? The man's statement is this. This is what I know. I was blind and now I can see. Jesus did that. Jesus did that. And the illumination, that work of illumination that the Spirit, I believe, is longing to do in our life is that Jesus would be the light by which we see everything else. He would be the center, the core, the foundation, the filter, the anchor point 
for us. It is through Jesus that we then begin to interpret everything else. He, he becomes the center of our understanding. And that becomes the tension point for humanity. Right? Because John's thesis over the, the course of his book is that we might, we might see these things, we might hear about what Jesus is doing, and it would cause us to believe in him. That his miracles would be like a light bulb for us so that we might be able to see who he is. We might be able to step into the mystery of who Jesus is and continue that work of constantly coming out of the darkness and and long for him to, to get better and better in focus for us. Or other things can be the center, the core, the filter by which we see the world. Those are our options. That's the way that we go about in this world. And as we live in the light of the world, and what you'll see on display in this man's life is that we begin to reflect who Jesus is. What you see in this man's life is that walking with Jesus means following in Jesus' footsteps. And that we will experience what Jesus experienced. And I I wish I could tell you that this man was made healed. And then life just got easier and easier and conflict free and got along with everyone. And everything was just perfect in his life. What you'll see over the course of his life is that Jesus finds him. The man responds to Jesus' words to go to this place called Sent. And then life has more and more friction to it. He's questioned. He's on trial. He's ridiculed. He's cursed. He's distanced and disowned by family. And he's rejected from the the synagogue, from, from the temple. He's kicked out. Here, here's, here's the beauty of this all though. Watch what happens when this man is rejected by men. What happens when, when at at the culmination of, of this tension and this turmoil of his life, when finally he's kicked out by the religious leaders? What do, we, what do we hear happens? Catch us at the, at the tail end of the story, right? In verse 34, it says, You were born of a, a total sinner. You trying to teach us, and they threw him out of the synagogue. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man. And here we see our good shepherd where we will never find ourselves wandering out of the sight of Jesus. We are constantly under his observation. He knows precisely where we're at. And you know what I wish? I wish I was the person that came and told Jesus what happened to this man. Because, right, what we, what we find described here in, in verse 35, it says, when Jesus heard what had happened... How did he hear 
right, I imagine that someone came to him and said that man that you healed was just kicked out of the synagogue. The reason I would love to be that person that brought Jesus the news is because I would have loved to bring Jesus that, the news and see how Jesus responded to the news of someone that was rejected. When Jesus heard what happened, he found the man. Here's a man who is rejected by others. And he fi- finds embrace in the arms of Jesus. He, he discovers that, that acceptance will happen here with Jesus. That Jesus is after him, that Jesus is pursuing him. And he knows exactly where this man is at. 